Good afternoon, and welcome to Who's in the Kitchen. You're listening to WDRT Community Radio, 91.9 FM, uh, coming from Viroqua, Wisconsin, and streaming live on the Internet at WDRT.org. And there you can go to podcasts of previous shows, and we have quite a few shows lined up now in our archives, and um, uh, you will also find Digging Deep, our new um, farming show that airs uh, every every last Saturday of every month. Uh, but you'll find that under Who's in the Kitchen. So um, I'm Philothea Beeson, and I want to welcome you and welcome my guest, Joanne Sherd from Lafarge. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. It's good to be on again. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. And, Joanne, you are really beloved by many listeners, and uh, your show has been replayed. Jim told me that, you know, there was a recent show on your universal bread dough. Oh, my. (laughs) And that was, like, from a year or two ago. But anyway, that's fun. And Joanne has, um, she's just, She's not a professional cook, but she's almost that because she's just done a lot of cooking for um, events, m- you know, uh, fundraising events and gatherings. And so she's kind of gotten a, a reputation for being somebody who really knows how to cook and, and cook for um, a large group. And I always enjoy talking with Joanne because she's a f- great gardener and because she really f- cooks right out of her kitchen garden and so um, thank you so much for being on the show again, Joanne. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I kind of thought that part of my show, I have been to Joanne's house several times, and there's something about her kitchen that seems very European or Sicilian, uh, even though it's just an old, you know, it's old, an old farmhouse outside of Lafarge. But there's, I don't know, the way you have it set up just makes me think of a more of a Italian or Sicilian farm mm-hmm. kitchen, and I'm wondering why. So I thought maybe <laughs> you could tell us how you've got things set up and what are, what are the kind of cooking utensils that you use and, and you know, just tools and, and okay. uh, how you have yeah. this set up. Okay. Well, you're right. This is a very old farmhouse, and when we did purchase it, we knocked out a wall in the kitchen there, oh. was, there was a wall in the kitchen and we did knock that out to open it up so it is pretty open and there are a lot of windows which for me is really important big windows mm-hmm. in my kitchen well that does drive some people crazy when they get an old house and it's got the windows are so low that you can't really have kitchen counters in front of them and that wasn't the case with this. Um, the counters, there's there's a window in the middle of the two counters uh, above the sink. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the port, the wall we knocked out opened up what was a little, oh, like a little foyer. It had the washer and dryer in it from the previous owners. But there's a huge window in there. And, well, actually, there's one, two, three, four windows in that little area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very bright kitchen, and um, my countertops uh, are set up such that uh, they face this very, very large window, which overlooks uh, the woods and the pasture and fields, and, and one of my favorite pieces of equipment happens to be a stainless steel electric fry pan 
which I set up right here in front of that window, and I'm just always looking out when I'm cooking. And uh, that is, to me, the windows really make my kitchen. Well, that's it. And also, I think uh, your your garden is just a few steps away. That's right. My kitchen garden is right outside the door here. Actually, you can see it right from the kitchen. Yeah. And in my kitchen garden, I usually have herbs. I put a couple tomato plants in there for quick grabbing and some lettuce and uh, some kale, too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, it, my stove is an antique restaurant stove. It's a gas stove. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is really very old. Uh, I love it. Mm -hmm. And um, it does have a griddle, but I have turned the uh, pilot off to the griddle. I I have a portable griddle that I put on, so I don't keep that going. But it is a wonderful old stove. And in the oven, I have put uh, on the shelf... um, unglazed adobe tiles mm-hmm. which are there all the time mm-hmm. and um, so I cook like my pizzas directly on the tiles and um, but if I'm cooking a pie or something baking a pie I put the, the pie plate right on the tiles too so the tiles are in there all the time yeah and, yeah and, that's really nice so tell us what the advantage is of that they really hold the heat or yes they, they do they do and uh, it's sort of like using for a pizza stone, it, but it it's just right there all the time, and they're always warm. My oven, basically, because of the pilot, is usually at least 100 degrees in there, mm-hmm. so I can spread out on the adobe tiles. I spread herbs. And so you can they, dry in absolutely, that oven. They dry oh. very rapidly, and so it, it's a wonderful old stove, and... Uh, I sometimes think about it so old. Is it going to conk out on me? Well, that would be really sad. But I was, yeah, yeah. I was going to say mine. I had a really old one too, and it did kind part of it kind of conked out. The oven part, the little tiny tubes that carry the the propane just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they just you know kind of disintegrated. But right. all the burners work, and I love the huge. High flame burners right. on those restaurant stoves, and then you have the really, really low simmer too. Exactly. And right. so that's one of the advantages of having that. But we moved ours out into a really rough summer kitchen, so uh-huh. that I can use it. I can still use the burners to can, mm-hmm. um, to melt beeswax. I do candle making outside oh, with my. Oh, nice. And I, I acquired this wonderful book, which makes me really sad. It's a book um, that I got at the uh, Russian Art Museum uh, in Minneapolis, and it was um, Ukrainian Summer Kitchens. Oh. And it's just such a lovely book about just the delight of having a summer kitchen and how right. important that was to to, oh, to Ukrainian absolutely. families. And right. it was like almost the first thing they built um, and they would kind of move in because <laughs> yeah, it had the stove and it had the heat. And then, you know, you might have your first kid and then, then you'd add on. And right. it's <laughs> really a beautiful book. And, of course, it makes me so sad right. that so much of Ukraine has now been destroyed exactly. in their exactly. infrastructure. Right. But um, anyway, I'm, I couldn't part with that that wonderful uh, 
stove. stove. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, baby it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I just want to add one more thing about my kitchen. Um, we When we uh, knocked out the wall, we put in a counter, which is an L-shaped counter, and I had the Amish make me butcher block tops. Mm-hmm. So that they're a real wonderful, really a wonderful addition to have a, a real butcher block top that you can, you know, cut on and don't have to baby it. And, uh, right. I have a question for you about that because I'm about to put in something like that in my kitchen, and I'm just wondering how you finish it and how you treat it so that it doesn't get grungy. Um, well, that was a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't remember it all. But we sanded it and oiled it, and I just clean it. That's, I mean, it's it doesn't take any special pe- preparation as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And the wood stays pretty nice. Oh, yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could certainly see worn spots where mm-hmm. I've worked more than other places. Just like my kitchen floor, there's a worn spot in front of the refrigerator <laughs> and a worn spot in front of the spot I use my electric fry pan. <laughs> well, what's your floor made out of? It's a oak. The whole house has oak Oh, floor. I can, so it's a wood floor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. So that's kind of, so you've got, and I wanted to come in on the frying pan too, and after I found out you had a stainless steel frying pan, I really kept my eye out for one and, and did find one because they're mostly, uh, you know, aluminum. That's right, and they also mostly or, have some kind of tef- line. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, I found this years ago, mm-hmm. and actually this is my second one, and I would be devastated if... It w- if something happened to it and I couldn't find another one. And every time I go to TJ Maxx, I always look, even though I don't need one, I always look to see if they have one. That's where I bought my first one. <laughs> yeah, I keep a spare one in the in the basement, <laughs> the pantry, in case your old one gives out. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is really wonderful. And, you know, stainless is pretty good for not sticking. Well, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, my father was a traveling salesman, and he sold stainless steel pots and pans. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, stainless steel is, I, it's pounded into me how much that is the best thing to cook with. Mm-hmm. And aluminum, I, my father would just get enraged if if somebody was cooking in aluminum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it does transfer something into the food. Right. And, you know, does. especially acid right. foods. You don't really want right. to do tomatoes, <laughs> tomatoes and aluminum. Stain, yeah, with stainless steel, like the frying pan, it's just, you know, I just, it's pretty much just normal, put a little olive oil in there. Mm-hmm. But with the kettles, like when you're, when you're cooking in the kettles, uh, the basic thing about stainless steel is you just need to put a little water and it steams your food in the kettle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never have to put very much water in. And, uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've always used stainless steel. When, and when I found a stainless steel electric fry pan, I was thrilled. Well, they, they really are fun and they're very, it's a very handy tool. Right. So do yeah. you use any cast iron? I have a one cast iron fry pan that I also love. And I use that quite a bit as well, yes. But that goes on the stove, and I said I like to use the electric fry pan because I put it on the counter and I can look out the windows. 
<laughs> the stove doesn't face any window. So, so. <laughs> well, it is the electric fry pan, you know, has that thermostat in it that you can you can really right. you know, set it for whatever temperature right, you exactly, want. Yeah. But okay, so that's yeah, that's really interesting. So um, yeah, t- give us a tour around your kitchen. What else um, do you oh. have that you really um, are really glad you've got? As- well, um, the other couple of things that are real important to me, I have a wooden spatula, which I probably use every day. Um, it's just, it's like a wooden spoon, only it's flat on mm-hmm. the end, and, mm-hmm. and I really use that all the time. And my wooden spoons I use a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean... Other than that, I can't think that there's anything unusual about my tools or um, anything that, you know. Okay, yeah. Well, um, now, do you have um, cookie sheets and and, and things like that, sheet pans and all? I do. Would that be glass or stainless steel? Parchment paper. Yeah, okay. Parchment paper. Yeah, Yeah. I do. I use parchment paper quite a, um, Uh most of the time on my cookie sheets. Now, when you roll out dough and stuff, do you do that directly on your wood counter, or you I have do. a cloth? No, nope, don't right use on a cloth. my wood okay. counter. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I do. Um, and pie crusts and everything, right? Uh, floured, but I do it right on the wood counter, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So you don't use any kind of marble for pastry? No, I do not. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've so never felt wondering. that I needed it. I actually had uh, a... Uh, slab of marble and tried it out but I really don't need it my wooden butcher block counter is just sufficient I yeah. mean it's more than sufficient well yeah keep it simple right <laughs> you can have exactly. too too many things <laughs> yeah yeah um so and well back to the spatula and so forth I think when I was there you had a couple of really nice hand carved spoons we are so lucky that we have spoon carvers in exactly. our region and you can get beautiful i do beautiful i have wood. my yeah. very very favorite uh, uh wooden spoons are hand carved by my late son-in-law andy and their their uh salad spoons mm-hmm. and they're they're sumac and they're oh. beautiful oh. and he i had once bought a, a set they were african and they were dark wood and one mm. was a fork and one was a spoon mm. but i realized that for salad tossing the spoons were far superior to the fork so andy made me two spoons mm-hmm. and they're really beautiful and uh, i i do use them i'll bet you pretty close to every day yeah right so those those you don't use for cooking you use for the salad just yeah right right and they're nice and oiled they're really (laughs) beautiful right right and so um knives um i do have a chef's knife but you know i don't really like it because it's too big for me Uh um so I just have paring knives that I keep sharpened and uh, some really good bread knives. Um, but uh, Chicago cutlery is pretty much what I use mm-hmm. for my knives. Yeah. They they sharpen well. Right, yeah. they do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what else do you have around? Well, I suppose you have mixing bowls. 
I do, and uh, I have my bread bowl is actually stainless steel. Mm-hmm. The one I uh, like use really every big, week. like really big. Yes, very yeah. big. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I do have wooden bowls for my salad, mm-hmm. uh, which I also really love. These wooden bowls, mm-hmm. um, uh, but pretty much that's it: stainless steel bowls and wooden bowls. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to have uh, one of those really lovely dark brown cracked bowls, a very large oh, one. Oh, yeah. And that's what I used to make my bread in, but that broke, and then I did get the stainless steel one, and I do like it a lot. So, mm-hmm. so um, let's see. I was thinking that one thing that I gadget that I really like is an instant read um, thermometer. Mm-hmm. I have one. Do but you I use don't, it? I, I very rarely I, use it. I use mine a lot. For one thing, I found out that. Well, we have grass-fed beef, and I found out that you really don't want to overcook grass-fed hamburgers. Uh (laughs) And it's really handy. I mean, just a few degrees makes the difference between making a hamburger dried out, (laughs) overcooked. And then um, someone suggested that I use it for sticking into bread to just see if it's the right, you know, if it's really done all the way through. Although I know people know how to knock on a piece of bread and know how it sounds. But um, that helps me too. Just stick it into bread and make sure that it's the right temperature, which uh-huh. is right uh-huh. about 200, and 200 I guess. Right. Um, and, you know, I like it. We like it for chicken and things that you could accidentally not cook enough. That's true. And, and I, yeah, I, I use it occasionally, uh-huh. but not really not very yeah. often. Yeah. So yeah. I was just, right. you know, kind of thinking of some right. special things that people. Right. And I do have like a candy have. thermometer that I use occasionally too when I'm doing something with maple syrup or honey. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So do you have all closed cupboards or do you have a lot of stuff showing? <laughs> I have pretty much all closed uh, cupboards. And then on top of them, I have I have items, but they're items I don't use very often. I have a scale and, and a couple of cast a, iron a scale. big mm-hmm. pots. But mm-hmm. uh, they're items that I have to get a chair to reach, so I really don't use them very often. But mm-hmm. no, my cupboards are closed, and um, and that's okay with me. <laughs> Yeah, and is did you really remodel, or is it really kind of old, uh, older cupboards? It's, they're they're actually the original cupboards, mm-hmm. and they're they're so old that I can't even put my plates in them because they're too they're, there's not enough depth to oh. close the door with the plates. So I did purchase a standalone oak cupboard that I keep my plates in. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they're the original cupboards that were here. Yeah, I had some really old cupboards that we had made when we built our house 52 years ago. And I harvested mink cage boards out of old mink cages because, you know, in the olden days they raised mink for a right. while here in Wisconsin. Right. And they were really beautiful and they were weathered gray. And my oh. grandfather built my cu- cupboards out of these mink cage oh, boards. Wow. And, and he was just horrified. 
<laughs> but you know they have been out in the weather for years and years without any mink in them <laughs> they were pretty pretty well i guess <laughs> cleaned but anyway yeah. eventually when my son was born when he was a baby i painted those and i painted folk art on them well anyway they got really grungy i used to use you know shelf paper and various uh-huh. things but you uh-huh. know your oily Right. bottles and things right. like that. Yeah. And so finally I did splurge and redo my cupboards and I had them done by an Amish person nearby. Mm. Uh-huh. And the wonderful thing that was done, I don't have any overhead cupboards. Mine are all under the counter. Oh. They're all low. And I didn't have very much space and I didn't have any, I had one drawer. I had one drawer in oh, the kitchen. <laughs> so I said, what I'd really like is those pullouts. They're pull-out shelves, and they're on glides. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so that was the big change that I made. Because I was down on my hands and knees with a flashlight trying to find things on the bottom shelf of cupboards. Right, right. And so those pull-outs are wonderful. So right. they're not not—they're kind of like drawers, but you pull them all the way out, and then you can see things all the way to the back. Right. So well, one... One of the other, we're talking about pull-out drawers, uh, in this old kitchen, there are two bin drawers. Oh. And I love them. What do you use those for? The one bin, I keep my, uh, the larger one, I keep uh, big bags of flour and my sifter in there. And the smaller one, I keep bags of sugar. That's where I keep my, uh, I store my sugar. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And they're wonderful. I love them. Oh, really cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, I keep my flour and sugar and rice in these tin cans that I got a long time ago from a bakery here in Viroqua. They they got egg whites oh, in mm-hmm. them or something, and they have kind of tight fitting lids. Because we had so much problem with mice, right, and you know, right. keeping keeping um you know moths and things right, like that uh, right. um they they're kind of like the size of great big cookie tins uh-huh. you know but um yeah it's interesting what you i mean i love old fashioned stuff and i do not have built-ins except for these this few cupboards under my counter i mean i really this it's kind of like a european house in that nothing's built in so mm-hmm. I just have to have freestanding furniture, uh-huh. you know, and uh-huh. cupboards and right. things yeah. like that. Yeah, which is the kind other of thing. I have a lot of are um, large uh, cracks. Like I do keep on my counter my flour that I use daily in a large crack, and my sugar, and oh, got little cracks that have you know rubber bands and. Uh, I have a crack for my um, compost on the counter. Mm-hmm. So I do have a lot of cracks. Do you have lids for the crocks? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Are, are they made of wood or? No, no. They're, these are, um, oh, Scott Keith. Oh, yes. These are his, actually. <gasps> wow, hand handmade pots. Yes. Yeah, yes. wow. Yes, and most That's of cool. these are his. I have an, even little ones that one of his kids made that are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, they're, they're, I have a crack that holds my wooden spoons and my and my rolling pin. I have a, a butter crack that holds all my canning tops. Uh, so I have a lot of cracks in my kitchen. Oh, okay. I'm always interested in what people store things in. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Well, I, I'm always interested in people's kitchens. I think that's just... Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any, any other countertops besides, besides your butcher block? Any other what? Any other countertop material? No, I don't. You have a big kitchen table, though. Do you ever cook on that or just... No, I don't. No. 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 Okay. No, I have a lot of countertop, and that's really all I need. And it's all wood. They're yeah, all wood. All wood, yeah. yes. yes. Yeah. So, okay, well, Joanne, um, well, she, she really can cook in many, many different styles, and she's been posting on Facebook. Can, <laughs> can people find you on Facebook? <laughs> yes, they can. Yeah. So that would be Joanne Sherd. Right. J-O-A-N-N-E. It's actually Joanna Dragna Sherd, but they can probably find it. Joanna Dragna Sherd, yeah. Okay, S-H-I-R-D. And, you know, I just love to see what you post. I know your friends are just always commenting. Wow. I mean, you do take pictures and uh, and, the, and give away recipes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it is fun because you have a flair um, for, I think it comes from your, your Sicilian background, partly, but, uh, you know, to just really tune into what's uh, seasonal and what's outside right. in your garden and right. what's local. And so I think that really appeals to a lot of people. Right. Like, you know, when they're thinking, oh, what am I going to do with kale? There's a lot of kale right. around or there's a lot of rutabagas around or, or you know, or, right. or when you've got, you know, a big bounty of something coming out right. of your garden all at the same time. So... Um, and you do do a lot of Italian cooking. I do, yes. yeah. And uh, I was very lucky to, to grow up. Uh, my my father was in the service in the Navy, and my mother and we children lived with her mother, who was a widow. So I grew up in my grandmother's home, and actually a widowed aunt lived with us. So, um, and we had this huge garden out back, and I mean, they were slow cookers before slow cooking was ever anything to even talk about, and uh, everything was from scratch, and I never saw any box mixes or anything growing up. Yeah. Was this in New York State? Yes, it was yeah. in, uh, yeah, uh, near Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Joanne and I have been... No, friends for a long, long time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd love to get some recipes from you. Uh, let me just take a station break. You're listening to sure. Who's in the Kitchen, and uh, it's WDRT uh, 91.9 FM, streaming live on the Internet at WDRT.org, where you can get this show and other shows on our podcasts now, our, our archives. And we're coming from the Driftless area, Viroqua, Wisconsin. And um, we have a wonderful climate. We have a wonderful um, access to farmer's markets. We have a fabulous co-op here in Viroqua and also one in Gay's Mills. We have um, CSAs, many, many CSA farmers, which are community-supported agriculture, where you can... Um, subscribe and order, you know, so many boxes per per season for fresh vegetables. A lot of people just go. There's Amish greenhouses. There, we have really some such access to wonderful local seasonal food. Yes, and I'd like to emphasize the Amish because I would say maybe three miles from my house is an organic 
uh, produce, uh, Amish produce market. And mm-hmm. it what, is what's the name of that, Joanne? It's Morning Star okay. Produce. Okay. It's and a, on, it's wonderful. What I mean, what highway is that on? Uh, Eighty two and oh. Morning Star Road. Okay. And Thank it you. is wonderful. I mean, he ha- he has nothing but organic stuff there. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's really affordable. And, uh, I mean, I've been getting my spinach there all winter long. And uh, Isn't it wonderful? Now, they must have some hoop houses. Yes, they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's that's one thing that has been really a treat out here, and they and they do sell to the Froco Food Co-op too, so that we can get Amish greens there too. Right. But they're so fresh. I know. And they're and we're getting greens almost all winter long. Right. He now has uh, salad greens too, mm-hmm. as well as the spinach, and it is all winter long. Yes. Right, and arugula. I love love to have right, access right. to arugula. And um, so we're not having to depend on getting produce from far away, like California. Right. I mean, right. to, to be able to have um, so much nice leafy greens in the winter is really a treat. It is. It's wonderful, yes. I think I buy a pound of spinach practically every week. Okay. Well, you can maybe you can start with what you do with spinach. I'd love to hear uh, some okay. recipes now. <laughs> well, um, the fa- the thing I almost always do with spinach, or I, first of all, we eat a lot of it raw, and we put a lot mm-hmm. of it in salads. But uh, a pound of spinach is a lot of spinach, and um, I use it for lots of dishes, and what I do is, in my electric fry pan, (laughs) I put a little olive oil and chop up some onions and uh, saute them till they're soft, and then uh, I just keep piling spinach in and letting it wilt down and keep putting it in until it wilts down, and then I add a lot of chopped up garlic. And uh, once it's all wilted and soft, I put in a little chicken broth and salt and pepper. And this is the basis for many, many things. Um, I cook it and uh, I freeze it uh, if it makes it that far. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really absolutely delicious, just it by itself. But when one of the uh, our favorite pizzas is a pesto spinach spinach mushroom pizza, and so I'll take some of this out of the freezer and we put that on the pizza. And the other favorite dish is a called um, you're aware of this is a kachapuri, mm-hmm. and uh, I stuff that with spinach, and then I also make um, a there there. Uh, kind of like a croissant dough, mm-hmm. and it can be sweet, and I use it savory. I make little triangles stuffed with this spinach and bake them in the oven, and they are out of this world. Wow. Now, is there cheese in that? Yeah, not in the not in the triangles, mm-hmm. no. No. In the kachapuri and on the pizza there is, but okay. not, not in the, um, the little turnovers, no. Okay, so go back to Kachapuri, because a lot of people probably have never even heard of that. (laughs) Probably not, yeah. Um, Well, Kachapuri is a uh, dish, quote, that 
comes from the Republic of Georgia, and um, it is uh, kind of, I use my pizza dough, and it's kind of like a fancy pizza. Um, I roll it out into a big oval and pretty wide, and then along the edges, uh, I put this spinach. It's kind of canoe-shaped. And so along the edges, I pile up spinach, and then I grate some cheese over it, and then I roll the edges up over the spinach and twist the ends so it kind of looks like a canoe Mm -hmm. with a big space in the middle. And then I put more spinach in the middle and more cheese, and then you bake it in the oven, and then you you can put an egg on it. Mm And uh, use the ends, which are pretty bready. You break them off and dip it in the egg. It is a wonderful dish. Yeah. So when do you add the egg? Well... Near the end of the baking? That's what I actually... I've done that and let it bake in the oven, but I prefer... I actually fry the egg and then put it on because Mm -hmm. it's not always... The timing doesn't always work in the oven with the egg, mm-hmm. so I just fry the egg on the on the stove top and then put it uh, on the kachapuri when we take it. I take mm-hmm. it out of the oven. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's that's really a wonderful dish. It is, <laughs> and it's beautiful. I mean, it's really a pretty thing too. Yeah. Now, do you make them individually for people, or just one large one for the? No, table? I make them individually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kachapuri. How do you spell that? A H A C H A P U R I. Okay. All right. <laughs> so one thing I like to make is um, something we had in New Orleans, and it was called egg sardou. Hmm. And you start with an English muffin. And um, it's really—it's a little bit um, time-consuming to make, but it's great to have for a crowd because you just make all the parts and then you assemble it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you you just puree spinach and you make it into a, like a kind of a cream cream spinach, mm-hmm. and then um, you put on a a an egg, poached egg or fried mm-hmm. egg, mm-hmm. and then uh, a bechamel sauce, and then a um, Marinated artichoke hearts on the top. Oh, and it's called. Um, you know, I just told you what it was called. <laughs> but it's just a wonder, wonderful breakfast. And if I, if I'm fasting, I just, I just make the spinach mm-hmm. without without mm-hmm. any milk, mm-hmm. and I don't put the egg on. But I put cream spinach on an English muffin mm-hmm. with. Um, with marinated artichokes, man, that's just a great uh, dish, and it's Sounds not, it's vegan. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, vegan. Right. So, right now, I'm in Lent, so I my Orthodox practice is to not eat meat or dairy or eggs until Easter, and so I'm I'm basically vegan. So I got uh-huh. I've gotten interested in the vegan uh-huh. vegan recipes. Uh-huh. Anyway, do go on. I'm talking with Joanne Sherd from Lafarge. And um, we're just uh, talking about food that she likes to fix. I would also like to share the um, the recipe for these spinach turnovers. Okay. Because sometimes one would think it daunting to do a like the multi-layered butter 
yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, to me, is so simple to do that that um, it's not daunting at all, and it's really easy. And like I said before, it can be used for fruit filling or savory filling. It's the same okay. same recipe. So, mm-hmm. um, it's one cup flour, a half teaspoon salt, and a half cup cold butter, and a half cup cold water. So you combine the flour and the salt, and you cut in one quarter cup butter. You start with just cutting in one quarter mm-hmm. cup butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just add your water, and you form a, a, a like a pie crust ball, and then you roll that out into a um, a rectangle, like 12 by 16, so it gets relatively thin, and then your other quarter cup of butter, you you slice it very, very thin, and uh, you lay it over uh, two-thirds of the rectangle, Mm -hmm. the upper two-thirds, and then I fold the bottom third over that, and the top back over there, and then so you so you now have I don't know a, a much smaller rectangle, but it's like three layers. Mm-hmm. And then you roll that out, roll it out thin till you get a big twelve by sixteen again. And you repeat this with the butter, mm-hmm. and fold it over and fold it over. And I do that probably four times mm-hmm. before I use up all the butter. So it's. And you end up with the smaller rectangle, I don't know, maybe like six by four inches. Mm-hmm. And then I refrigerate that for an hour, and then I take it out and roll it out as thin as possible. So it's really quite large. And um, using a pizza cutter, I cut it into into little squares. Um, and if you want big turnovers, you use big squares. If you want little turnovers, you use littler squares. And and then I just put the like the spinach filling in the center of one and roll it into a triangle, crimp the edges, and I freeze them. I always have them in my freezer. Mm-hmm. And then when I want to have them, um, I take them out and I I cut a little uh, sl- uh, slice at the top so there's an opening, and then I bake them at um, you know three. 5375 and believe me it tastes like croissant with filling. Well, it is pretty much a croissant dough. You really yeah. are doing that, but you've made it sound simpler and then if you're going to um right when you roll it out, you get, you know, you get the effect of a, of a croissant, don't you? Right, but but to me it is so simple. Yeah. I, mean, I was always I always thought making a croissant would be horrible, but I mean, these are so simple, and believe mm-hmm. me, I don't know that anybody's ever had one that hasn't commented how delicious that uh, pastry is. Wow. Well, and then the fact that you freeze them so right. that you've done all that work, but you might have at least one other, right. you know. But honestly, it doesn't feel like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why you want your really big butcher block counter. Right. Exactly. Yeah, great. But oh, again, now- you can fill them with, you know, your pie-filling apple or strawberry or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. And now, Joanne, I want to ask you, um, where? what is your flour that you like to use? Um, I use um, King Arthur flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, bread flour for my bread and all-purpose flour for otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but often I also get my 
flour. And um, the other thing is I use seven grain, organic seven grain bread flour that the only place I can find it is the Viroco Food Co-op. Mm-hmm. And they have it in bulk. And I always have that in my bread recipe. Um, but other than that, I, I pretty much use uh, King Arthur flour. Okay. And the butter. Where do you get your butter? Um, well, um, I use Westby butter quite a bit, mm-hmm. although butter is going up in price horrendously. <laughs> um, but I usually get it at the co-op basically because the co-op's prices on Westby butter is cheaper than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but that's pretty much where I get it. Okay. Yeah. I know Nordic Nordic Creamery makes a butter, and they have butters... Um, uh, kind of connected with the season, so they have a, they have a summer oh. butter, and then they have a fall butter, which oh. I, which I thought was really interesting. You know, I'm learning all the time, but it depends on what your cows are eating, what their milk right. is like, right. and and the, you know, the early the early pasture gives you something right. different, and you know, right. just so interesting that, right. Right. but you might not want to cook with that butter. It's probably pretty right. pretty pricey. Special. And I actually, I never buy um, unsalted butter because anything that I use that calls for unsalted, I just reduce my salt. Yeah. So I, I never buy unsalted uh-huh. butter. Oh, okay. Oh, and the other thing with that spinach, it makes a dynamic omelet. Oh, okay. I mean, it is just <clears throat> dynamic to put inside an omelet, even with some mushrooms and some tomato slices. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, I use it for a lot of things, but right. we do have an omelet probably at least once a month we have a spinach omelet, yeah. Right. Now, you said you added chicken broth to it? Yes. So it, what's the consistency of it if you're, is it? Um, it's a little, a little soupy, mm-hmm. not much because I let it uh, uh, steam away. Mm-hmm. Okay. It. So, but if I'm wanting, like when I want to put it on the pizza or in these uh, turnovers, I just squeeze it so that it's not watery. Okay. Yeah, I was but just wondering. But the chicken broth gives it a wonderful flavor. Mm-hmm. And is that your homemade chicken broth? Sometimes it is, and sometimes it is better than, what is that? Better than bouillon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a, a whole stock of better than bouillon. Me so. too. <laughs> I love I love those. Those are I really great. Um, okay. So uh, give us some idea of what you do with kale. Um, well, um, the thing we like most with kale, first of all, kale chips are great. We do that. I do that in the summertime. But my frozen kale, um, the favorite dish, and maybe I've mentioned this on the program before, is uh, it's an Italian dish where you uh, saute onions and garlic and Italian sausage cut up into chunks, uh, saute that all in olive oil, and then add a lot of kale because the kale gets gets really delicious in this dish, and you cook that until it's um, pretty pretty much done. And I cook it a long time, and then I put on top of that uh, cut up potatoes, and then I cover it and let it steam, salt and pepper to your liking, uh, and it's kind of a peasant dish, mm-hmm. but it is so flavorful. Mm-hmm. 
And in fact, I had a friend email me the other day and said, Joanne, I just made your kale Italian sausage potato dish again last night, and we loved it as much as ever. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I try. I try to remember how you did it because you you told me about that years ago. But I'm interested in what Italian sausage you use. What what, so what Italian sausage? sausage? Yeah. Where do you get your um, Italian well, sausage? Well, I have to say that the Verocco Food Co-op has house-made Italian sausage that is unbelievably delicious. Oh. And they're humongous links. I mean, they're way too big. <laughs> um, well, we have to share one. But other than that, I use Johnsonville Italian mild Mm-hmm. Not sweet and not hot. I use mm-hmm. the mild. Mm-hmm. And Johnsonville is very much like what I grew up eating. Mm-hmm. So. They are smaller sausage. But uh, I'll yeah. tell you, the house-made Italian sausage at the co-op is I, wonderful. I and if you haven't that. had their house-made breakfast sausage, it is the best I've ever had. Oh, really? Absolutely the mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. I've ever had. So how do you use the breakfast sausage? Well, when I make an omelet, I make patties. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, uh, sausage patties with our omelet or with the kachapuri. Sometimes we'll have a mm-hmm. sausage patty. Yeah. So where do you find the sausage? Is it in the, um, is the, it? The meat, right there at the, the back the, there. Okay, yeah. at the meat department. And, and the, the uh, breakfast sausage is uh, usually in, you know, one of those little containers, but it's got a sprinkling of herbs on top. So it's mm-hmm. pretty distinctive. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it wow. is really good. It is, without a doubt, the best breakfast sausage I've ever had. Well, great. Right here in our own town. Right, (laughs) I was thinking you have to go to Chicago or something to get good good sausage. Um, Okay, what are some other things that um, you'd like to share with us? Well, one of my favorite meals, uh, and it was growing up too, is uh, a chicken cutlet. And there's so simple to make and they're just so flavorful mm-hmm. and um, I buy um, chicken breasts uh, skinless boneless chicken breasts and then uh, when I put them between a piece of waxed paper mm-hmm. and then I pound them until mm-hmm. they're pretty thin and then I flour them and dip it in a beaten egg and this is the important thing, is to use Italian seasoned breadcrumbs and then dip it in Italian seasoned breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. And then I refrigerate them uh, for about an hour before oh, uh-huh. before I fry them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are by far one of my favorite <laughs> meals ever. Um, and I usually serve them with garlic mashed potatoes and uh, sautéed green beans and garlic. Mm-hmm. Favorite meal. It's a comfort food. Yeah. Oh yeah. That sounds really, really good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And it's it's like I say, it's simple and uh, um, it just something about the, the the breading and the and the pounding that makes the chicken breast really unusually good. Mm-hmm. That would be a really fast meal. It is. It wow. is very fast. Yes. Uh-huh. Great. So. Uh, and I do have uh, a dessert I can share. Mm-hmm. Um, my This is my granddaughter's favorite, both my granddaughter's favorite dessert in the whole world. And it came from an 
aunt of mine, she called it apple slices. I call it strawberry slices because I make it with strawberries. And it's like a slab pie. You know what that is? No. A slab (laughs) pie is like you, you roll your crust out into a cookie sheet. So it's rectangular. And then you put no your sides. Filling. No it's, sides. It's called a slab. Pie. Okay. And uh, it's pretty easy. I can give you the recipe pretty quickly. Okay. Do we have time? We certainly do. Okay. Uh, three and a half cups flour, three teaspoons baking powder, a half a teaspoon salt, and uh, one cup of butter. My aunt used short with shortening. I sometimes use half and half. And you mix that like you would for pie crust, and I use a, a pastry cutter. Uh, and then to that, you add one cup of milk. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a, a pie crust. Um, and I cut it in half, and I roll out half of it and put that on the cookie sheet. And then um, I make strawberries as I would for a pie, but a large pie, like a uh maybe even a, a large and a half pie, enough filling. And then I spread that. And you can use any filling, uh, any fruit filling. Uh, and then I spread that out on the rolled out dough, but not all the way to the edges. And then I take the other half of the dough and roll that out to the same size and lay it on top and then crimp the edges like you would for a pie crust. Mm-hmm. Cut your slits in it. And then you bake it at 350 uh, for 35 to 40 minutes. And then when you get it out of the oven, when it's still warm, you make a um, confectionery sugar and milk frosting, just a, just a little bit of it. And then you just drizzle it all over that. Mm-hmm. So there is no sugar in the filling. In the what? In the filling. Oh, yeah. You would make your, your strawberries as you would for a pie filling. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. And, so, I mean, I, yeah. I didn't give you that, the recipe for that just because I figure everybody knows how to make their Okay. But, the, yeah, pie. the fruit is sweetened a bit. The filling. Right, it is. The filling is. And then you make And then little... the other thing that mm-hmm. I have always done that I don't think most people do is after I get, it, I do it with my pies also, but after I get the filling in there, I sprinkle a little nutmeg on top. Mm-hmm. And then I put the other crust down. I had a neighbor, an older woman, when I first moved to Lafarge, who used to do that. And I remember the first time I tasted the pie with that hint of nutmeg on top, it just added something really special. And I've just always done that, too. Yeah. that, And you don't need much, but it really, really gives, yeah, beautiful perfume. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Good. I like to put nutmeg on pears. I like nutmeg uh-huh. on pears. Right. Um, so we do have more time. We have a little bit more time for a few more recipes. Well, another one of my granddaughter's favorite foods is, they call it nani dip. They call me nani, which is Sicilian, <laughs> nana. Uh, and they call it, not, it's nani dip, and it always has been, but it's a garlic feta cheese spread, and it's also quite delicious. Mm-hmm. You have four ounces of feta cheese crumbled, four ounces of cream cheese softened, one-third cup of mayonnaise, one clove garlic minced, and I use a pretty good size clove of garlic, one teaspoon base, dried basil, 
a teaspoon dried oregano, one eighth teaspoon dried dill, and one eighth teaspoon dried thyme. Mm-hmm. And then you just mix that all together. You, your cream cheese is softened, and you just mix it all together with a fork. And honestly, I have had people who do not like feta, who mm-hmm. love this, mm-hmm. who do not like garlic, <laughs> who love this. It is an unusual, uh, and it's really a powerful, on crackers or on bread or... Um, it's just really a wonderful appetizer, or you could serve it with veggies, or anyway. But it is uh, one of our favorites, and I try. I probably make that once a month or so. <laughs> right. Oh, that sounds that sounds really really good. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. To have the cream cheese with the feta cheese might cut it a little bit, because some right. people don't like feta. You know, I found a really neat product that's kind of handy sometimes and it's actually it's garlic cream huh never heard of it <laughs> it's uh, they have two different brands of it in the co-op huh in two different sections of the of the co-op it's like a cream cheese with garlic in it no it's pure garlic oh it's garlic that's probably done in a oh I don't know. it's it's liquid oh okay it's thick Liquid, it's almost like mayo. But, I mean, if you're really in a hurry, you can just open this up and add it to, say, mayo or a salad dressing or something like that. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It is really handy to have in the refrigerator. I really love it. Um, I tried making it uh, myself, and... You really need something that is going to really finely puree. I mean, my mm-hmm. my blender won't really do it, mm-hmm. but it is just so pureed that it's a cream. Cream. Oh it's like I'll cream of garlic. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lovely <Right>. product. <laughs> thank you for thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I have a friend who's working at the co-op right now, and she kind of well, I have several friends, but. She's always saying, oh, you tried this new product. This is really... <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things there that you would just... There's so much choice right, that exactly. you might not really know Absolutely. everything that's there. Absolutely, yes. I miss a lot that's there, I'm sure. Right. right. And I found a lot of good vegan dairy products. So um, oh, they have really a huge selection now. So you can have some grated, you know, some mm-hmm. great grated cheeses and things like that. And great. there's yeah. replacements for things. Although in a way you feel like, gee, this is so good. Am I really actually sacrificing anything uh-huh. while I'm fasting? <laughs> because it's so good. And I really, um, these are a couple of brands I like. I love the Love Your Heart, Love, no, Love Your Heart mayonnaise which is a vegan mayonnaise which mm-hmm. is really really good it's egg, eggless mm-hmm. um and then there is also a really wonderful bulgarian yogurt there that comes oh. in a quart glass jar uh-huh. and if you don't make your own yogurt which you probably do because you have a pilot light in your stove and i you don't probably know can. anymore but um it's a very tasty yogurt and it comes in glass and i'm you know i'm getting uh-huh. to be very concerned about buying stuff right. in plastic so yes. Um, products nice. that yeah. come in glass, you know. I nice like, to know, yeah. I like to get those, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So we have a few more minutes if you just want to say just well, one little final thing. <laughs> well, all I can say is that um, food is, to me, a magical thing. 
things you get from your garden transformed into a beautiful meal that's not only beautiful but nutritious and it's just food is magical to me and garden products are magical and Right. And I think one thing we love about it is you take pictures of it, and it's beautiful, as well as tasty and right. interesting and fresh. It's right. also beautifully plated, and that makes a difference, too, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's it's real important that food be beautiful when you yes. set it in front of someone. Yes. Oh. I think it's good for, for not just your eyes, but for your digestion as well. Exactly. Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you, Joanne. Thanks for being yes. on Who's in the Kitchen. And I've enjoyed it, too, and thank you so much. Okay. So I've been talking with Joanne Adregna Sherd from um, Lafarge, outside of Lafarge, Jug Creek, to be you know exact. Um, and um, I just so enjoyed talking with her. And thank you so much to my audience for tuning in to Who's in the Kitchen. We're on every week at sun- uh, Saturdays at noon. And the last Saturday of the month is Digging Deep, my new farm show. So I hope you'll keep tuning in and also go to our podcast on uh, WDRT.org for past shows. This is one of these shows where I've scribbled, scribbled, scribbled recipes, so I'm definitely going to go listen to my own show again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks a lot, Joanne. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.